Welcome to another episode of Bereans Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. you're well. I'm glad that you're here today and I want to say welcome to those of you who are joining us online and look forward to seeing you here in person as you are able. Um, I'm excited today to talk about something that often doesn't get a lot of airplay, but the reality is that in the, the modern world, we have a problem with friendship. In 2021, Japan introduced a new political office in the government called a Minister of Loneliness. Sounds kind of like an emo band, right? But this Minister of Loneliness, this position was created to address a rash of suicides, of increased levels of isolation, loneliness, discouragement, of depression. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, Devin, I've got like 450 friends on Facebook, but still, they had to request to be my friend. And I granted them that right. Well, here's the thing. Your Facebook friends are not your real friends. And that's not just my opinion. That is settled legal. Like, it's been made, the decision has been made. Recently, I was reading about a judge in Florida who was overseeing a case, who was presiding over the case, and one of the lawyers was friends with his on Facebook. So the other lawyer said, well, you need to recuse yourself. We need a different judge. You're friends with this this person. That's a conflict of interest. That's not right. So they involved another judge. And this judge reviewed the case, looked at case law, precedent, and so forth, and came to the conclusion that your Facebook friends are not your real friends. 
Now, I'm sure maybe he's going to make it to the Supreme Court, and maybe in the end you'll be able to stand up and say, See, Devin, I told you. It was reversed by the Supreme Court. I do have that many friends. But the reality is we know that there's a problem with relationships, with connectedness, with community in our modern world. There is an absence of friendship. Over the last decade, I'm sure you've seen articles, essays, and so forth coming out talking about this epidemic of loneliness. That for whatever reason, for a, a host of reasons, the modern world doesn't really provide a lot of opportunity for depth and for meaningful relationships. Half of Americans are experiencing a measurable level of loneliness. And it is a serious threat to their health and to the health of their community. U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy said this in an opinion column in the New York Times, and I quote, Loneliness is more than just a bad feeling because when people are socially disconnected, their risk of anxiety and depression increases. So does their risk of heart disease. It goes up by 29%. Dementia by 50%. And stroke by 32%. The increased risk of premature death associated with social disconnection is comparable to smoking. We have a problem in the modern world with relationships. But this is not what God intended. And I'm convinced that as Christians, as a church, as those who are seeking to invite others into following Jesus, to experiencing what we've experienced, to experience the transformation that we've seen in our own lives, that our relationships, the way that we love, care for, commit, the way that we friend one another is going to be an increasingly powerful, apologetic, and evidence of the gospel moving forward. In a world that doesn't understand and is wrestling with how to do friendship well, it's time for us as Christians to reclaim God's purpose in friendship. And so today, I want to talk about this topic. It's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that doesn't get a lot of airtime, and something that for many of us, we seem to think is just a inconsequential or optional aspect of following Christ. But when you read through the Bible, when you read through church history, you will see that the role of friendship is central to formation. Now, maybe you're here and you're thinking, Devin, this series is about thriving. You know, I get Bible study, I get prayer, I get fasting, although I'm not a huge fan, but I get it, Devin. And, and, and you're walking through this and you're thinking, this, is, this seems a bit, a bit different. This seems kind of out of left field. But you see, this series is all about the practical, everyday things that we can do to position ourselves to, to fully receive God's grace and to grow through those avenues that he has provided for us. And one of those realities is the reality 
of friendship. You see, yes, I'll grant it, that you can survive without friendship. I'll grant you that much. But while you can survive without friendship, you can't thrive without it. So what I want to do today is talk about this and the role that it plays in our formation as we follow Christ together. You see, in the Bible, friendship appears time and time again. Companionship, walking together through life, through the the good stuff and the hard stuff, commitment. These themes and this reality comes up time and time again. In the opening pages of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and into 3, we can see that God befriends Adam that he walks with him, that he talks with him, that he pursues him, that he invests in him. And then we see that God looks over his creation, over which at every step he has declared, it is good. He comes and he sees man that he has created and sees that there is no suitable companion or helper for him. And we're told in the opening pages of Genesis that it is not good for man to be alone. Sometimes when my wife goes to a conference for a few days, within 24 hours, I'm looking around the rubble of this beautiful home, the chaos, and I say, your word is true, Lord. Amen, amen. It is not good for a man to be alone. And as many times as the kids may ask me, when's mom going to be home? I'm asking them, what time's mom going to be home? How many hours left? But it's not good for man to be alone. So God makes him a partner. In Genesis chapter 38, Judah sought out a friend after his wife had passed. He was grieving and mourning and sought out friends. In the book of Job, we read about Job's imperfect kind of bumbling friends come to comfort him with mixed results. But the entire book is a discourse, a conversation amongst the friends. David and Jonathan were very close friends. We read about that in 1 Samuel 18, 1 Samuel chapter 20. They loved one another. They cared for one another. Proverbs talks about the importance of friendship over and over about marks that we should look for in a friend, of the types of people that we should avoid, allowing to sway us and lead us astray. Jesus himself called 12 friends, 12 disciples, to walk with him through his earthly ministry. And in John chapter 15, he's, he's talking to them, and he says, I don't call you just servants anymore. You're my friends. I mean, this is true His words here are true as a theological concept that just like Abraham and Moses were called a friend of God because of their faith, so too the disciples who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus are called friends. It is a theological concept, but it's also pragmatic. It's also practical. Jesus had been with them. He had a history with them. They had laughed together. They had wept together. They had been together. And so Jesus looks to them and says, you are my friends. I call you friend. John, the 
apostle refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. Anchoring his very identity in his relationship with Jesus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were loved by Jesus in John chapter 11. He was friends with them. Paul had Timothy, Titus, Barnabas, and others as friends. And in addition, the Bible has like so many one another commands. Love one another, care for one another, serve one another, submit to one another. All these expectations about how we're to, to be in community. And I can tell you this. That what the Bible has in mind when it speaks about these one another's is more than just putting on a smile on your face and shaking hands in the commons after a service. As valuable as that space is, the expectation in all of these one another commands is that there's a relationship there. And that friendship is premised on being both known and loved. Someone who knows you and someone who loves you. To be known but not loved, it's said is a great fear of ours. Imagine somebody gets to know you. They see the real you. The you that you try to keep hidden by your best behavior. They see the real you and they reject you. That is painful. That's painful, but to be loved without being known, that's just empty. If nobody knows you, no amount of accolades admiration will ever be enough. We want to be known. We want to be loved. All of these one another commands that the scripture has for us are anticipating that we are living in relationship. And what I'm talking about today, I'm speaking primarily to those who have trusted in Christ for salvation, who are Christians, who have Christ in common. And so what I want to do here in just a moment is I want to define what gospel friendship, what biblical friendship, what true friendship actually is. Now, what's interesting is that as I was doing research, I realized that it is very difficult to define what friendship is. It can be difficult to define. I mean, we know it when we see it. We know it when we experience it. But to define it can be tricky. Alexander Nahamas is a professor of philosophy at Princeton. And in his book on friendship, he spends nearly 300 pages trying to define what friendship actually is. Well, what he did in 300 pages, I'm going to try to do in three lines. So here's what I have in mind when I talk about gospel friendship. Here's what I believe the Bible teaches when it comes to this important relationship. Gospel friendship is a committed relationship with Jesus at the center where two people encourage, invest, serve one another 
in good times and in hard times for the work of God in one another and the work of God in the world. Gospel friendship, it has Jesus at the center. It's about encouraging, investing, serving one another in the good times and in the hard times. But there's a purpose here. It's about the work of God in you and in the world. Have you ever met someone, maybe at a networking event or someone at work or in the community, and you realize somewhere along the way that the only reason they're pursuing relationship with you is because they want something out of you. Maybe they're trying to get on your good side so that you'll do them a favor. Maybe they're trying to leverage you in some way because you know someone that they want to know. Maybe it happens in high school where you're friends with a boy that that girl likes and however that works out. No, the purpose of biblical friendship is not what I can get out of you. It's what God is doing in you. So there's a preoccupation and a passion to see the work of God in you grow and the glory of God spread. So let's talk about where friendship comes from because I don't want you to think that this is simply a pragmatic sermon. You know, just kind of a feel-good, hey, friendship, be a great friend. This isn't a a, a public service announcement to care for lonely people. No, there is a deep and rich theological vein that I'm drawing from here that Scripture teaches us because this is the foundation of friendship. The foundation is this, that there is friendship within the Trinity, okay? This is so important. Friendship is not a human invention. Friendship is not the byproduct of evolution, saying that, oh, sure, when you're a part of a community, your rates of survival would increase. And so we're born with this this predisposition to link on to a larger group to ensure our survival. No, it originates in God himself. God is triune. And God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is one God eternally existent in three persons. This means, listen to me and track with me, that God has always existed in relationship. Father, Son, Spirit. A community of love, of oneness, of unity. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 17. I'm going to read for you John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. And here, I want you to listen or to look for those words of oneness, of love, of unity. How Jesus here is praying to his Father in heaven, and he is, he is explaining for us that that unity predates even time itself. Look at what he says here in John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, 
that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given to me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I would made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in you. There is friendship within the Trinity. Jesus here is talking about being loved before the foundation of the world. So when it comes to our relationships, even as Jesus is teaching in John chapter 17 here, he doesn't divide these up, that you and I were created to be in relationship. There is friendship within the Trinity and we were created for friendship. The relationship, the friendship within the Trinity overflows. This is the genesis of our relationships today. You are here because God spilled over his love and friendship and invites humanity to be welcomed into relationship with him. You see, this is why when you read through the New Testament, you will see so many instances where the writer, or Jesus himself even, as he's, as he's recorded for us in the Gospels, where Jesus will talk about this these two planes of relationship, that you and I were created for friendship, for relationship first with God and then with one another. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus is asked, what's the whole Old Testament law summarized with? And he famously replies, love God with your heart, your soul, your strength, love God with everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. In 1 John 4, 21, this is the commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You and I were created for relationship and for friendship, first with God and then with one another. Gospel friendship is a committed relationship with Jesus at the center, where two people encourage, invest, and serve one another in the good times and hard times for the work of God in one another and for the world. Friendship starts with God himself. And you and I were created to be his image bearers. And we can't do that apart from community, apart from relationships. So let's talk about for a moment here what friendship looks like lived out. I want to pull apart this clunky definition that I gave you here and offer you some thoughts hopefully some practical, anchored here in the word of God. Here's the first. Here's the first, I would say, mark of a gospel friendship. Commit 
and invest in one another because you love Christ. See, there's the motivation again. Why am I investing in this person? Is it for what I can get out of them? No. I'm committed, I'm invested because I love Christ and I wanna see his work continue in their hearts. You and I both need good friends who will commit and invest in you, who aren't fickle, who won't just tell you what you want to hear. You you need the type of friends, church, that will help you move, because I won't. (laughs) You know, it's, I talked about that last week, and some of you had the audacity to ask me to help you move. Let me just say, I'm drawing a firm line there. No. I'm out of town that weekend anyway, I, sh- I should say. But Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 say this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Part of that committing and that investing means... And com- It means spurring one another on towards love and towards good works. It means investing in by meeting together, making time to be together, both as a church and as individuals. Gospel friendship is more than just a handshake in the commons. It's an investment. It's a commitment. If you and I have no history and no relationship, it's going to be very hard for me to listen well when you rebuke me. If you were to say to me, hey, Devin, I've noticed this in your life, my first reaction would be, I'm not going to listen to you. You don't know me. But when your close friends, your brothers or sisters, those that know you, those that love you, those that are committed and have invested in you, when they pull you aside and they say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I've noticed this. Are you doing okay? It's so much easier to hear when there's a context of relationship there. It's more than a, activity-based, hobby-based relationship. There's a commitment and an investment there. A commitment and an investment to the growth of that other person and to the work of God in them. So commitment and investment are central, but so too is encouragement. So I would say as a second mark from that definition, encourage others as they pursue Christ. Following Jesus, knowing him, is the greatest thing that a human can ever experience. I I truly believe that. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, you're not a Christian, let, let me say that again. There is nothing in life that rivals knowing Jesus and being known by him. But I will say this. It's not always easy. 
sometimes it's difficult. You see, we still wrestle with the flesh, the residual effects of our sin nature. We struggle by being tempted by Satan and his demons. We live in a fallen and broken world. It is difficult, it is hard, and it is easy to get discouraged. This is why we need friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ who love us enough to encourage us as we follow Christ. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. This world can be discouraging, so we need people who will encourage us. This world can tear us down, so we need people around us who will help build us up. Now, I'm not talking about some undiscerning hype man who just applauds whatever you choose to do with your life, who just says, you are great at that when you're not, who says, oh yeah, it's their fault, not yours, when it's clearly your fault, who says, oh, there's nothing that you can do about it, you're just a victim here, when truthfully, that's not true. No, what we need is friends who will encourage us and build us up with the truth of God's word, who will remind us of our identity in Christ you know, taking the time in your developing friendships to go beyond just speaking and talking about platitudes and, and the everyday to ask a little bit deeper. Now, I've had friends before that I struggled with because you know, my wife and I joke. It, w- it wouldn't matter what you brought up. If you said, yeah, I think my, my friend's strut is broken. They'd be like, but what is the Lord doing in your heart, Devin? And you're like, well, I don't know. I don't think a whole lot. It's just a strut. Um, You know, or you'd say it's a beautiful day. And they would, you know, introduce some kind of spiritual depth to it. You're like, hey, that's that's great. I appreciate that. But it almost seemed artificial because it was heaped onto everything. But regardless, we do need to grow in our ability. I need to grow in my ability to take conversations a little bit deeper. Now, sometimes when I go golfing, I don't golf particularly well. I get like a, like a golf anxiety where I'm like, I, people probably think I'm cool. And then I go out in the golf course with them and they're going to be like, oh, I see him as he truly is now. <laughs> huh. But Heather will say, you know, so what'd you guys talk about? You know, how, how was your time in the course? What'd you talk about? And I say, well, honestly, we talked about what iron should we be using here? What kind of approach do you have? Yeah, but what's your second shot going to be? You know, nothing really of depth. And so one of the things that I've been trying to work on is just asking people that question. What's God been doing in your life recently? What have you been praying about? You know, part of 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 being a gospel friend is encouraging one another as they follow Christ. Ask your friends. You know, I know you retired recently. How are you processing through that, through the identity piece of, of leaving behind a career? I know that your grandkids just moved away. How, how are you navigating through that kind of loss? Hey, I know you suffered a disappointment. 
you know, what do you sense God's doing in your heart through this? Encouragement as they pursue Christ. So we have to be committed and invested. There, there has to be a relationship there. And that relationship is based on our love for Christ, to encourage one another. But here's a third that I think is very important. Walk with your friends in the good times and the bad times. In the good times and in the hard times. You see, you encourage, you commit, and you invest. And you do so in all seasons. You know, Romans 12, 15, Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, my wife and I struggled and wrestled with infertility for eight years. And we chose to open ourselves to our close friends about that journey. And it was something that they knew about, that they prayed for us about. And they were there with us. Committed, invested, and encouraging. And I can say this, that they wept with us as we wept. When we lost the pregnancy, they would be there praying for us and weeping with us. And by God's grace, as he provided children, they were there to rejoice with us and plan a you know, big celebration and big party. They have, and I, truthfully, I don't think I have any idea the eternal impact of, that, of those friends in that particular season. I have no idea how our journey, how our, how our hearts would have turned out without friends in the gospel who are committed, invested, who are encouraging us and were with us in the good times and in the hard times. When someone is celebrating, celebrate for them. We should be terrific cheerleaders. Where we genuinely celebrate with those around us. Why? Because there's no room for envy. There's no room for coveting. Right? Our identity is in Christ. We serve him. If God's pouring out his favor on someone, man, we should be there genuinely excited for them cheering them on, encouraging them. And likewise, when someone's hurting and someone's beaten up and somebody needs a bit more in that season, what a beautiful opportunity for gospel ministry to step into a situation like that and say, I'm committed, I'm invested, I'm here for you. I'm here for you in the good times and I'm here for you in the hard times. Now, let me just say a few words here. I want to speak, first of all, about being careful and then I want to talk about cultivating. Okay, so hold on to those two words. Let's talk about being careful. So, parents, this is the opportunity for you to elbow your kids. Gently, please. Gently, it's one of those old, you know, pay attention. Because I want to talk to you here that if you're young and you're in school, I want to talk to you for a second, okay? Listen to me. Proverbs, the Bible is very clear that friendship has a lot of value. But listen, guys, the Bible also teaches 
that you need to be very careful with who you call friend. Proverbs itself talks about this over and over, how foolish friends can lead you astray. Be very careful who you call friend. In Proverbs 30, verse 20, the sage says this, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Be very careful who you call friend. Be friendly to everyone, sure, right? But be very careful about those who you allow to influence you. Be very careful. Secondly, cultivate. I want to talk to you if you are married, because this component of marriage is often highly or significantly overlooked. You know, just recently we were chatting with our kids about, you know, having friends of the opposite sex. And for for kids, it's kind of like, oh, that's new. I don't know about that. Can I be friends with a girl? Can I be friends with a boy? And I we were having the conversation, and I said, well, listen, when you grow up, your best friend is going to be a girl. I said to my, my son. And he said, what? No way. I said, yeah, you're going to get married and your wife. And, and we had this whole discussion about how, wait a second, friendship in marriage, what? Mom's your best friend? And I said, of course she's my best friend. And the conversation evolved and it was indicated that, well, don't you guys do different stuff? I said, yes, but we can't kiss all day long. So that friendship within the marriage is the bedrock. Because it's friendship centered on Christ for one another's good, for God's glory. You cultivate the friendship in the marriage, the trust, the humility, and all that other stuff. That's where it flows out of. You want to grow in intimacy? You want to grow in passion and cultivate the friendship in your marriage, which then provides you with the opportunity to have conversations, to talk it through, to get to the heart of any issue that you may have in your marriage. But you're never going to see a God-glorifying, healthy, and intimate marriage where friendship isn't at the center. So let me encourage you with that. The truth is that Christianity has both good news and bad news. The bad news is that apart from Jesus, God is not your friend. Apart from Christ, you have set yourself up as an enemy of God. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus did everything necessary to reconcile you back into relationship with God. You see, we were created for relationship with God and with one another, but sin severed that relationship. And so here's what Jesus did. He went to the cross in your place. And there on the cross, in that moment, as he bore your sin, the eternal glorious friendship within the Trinity in some way was disrupted for a moment 
for a time as he became sin for us and the wrath of God was poured out upon Christ. Jesus did all of this so that you could become a friend of God. It's all by Christ. It's by Christ alone. In Colossians chapter one, Paul talks about this work of Jesus as reconciling, bringing back into relationship. He says that through him, that is Jesus, he reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. But maybe you're here and you're lonely. And you would say, I know that God is my friend. I know that Jesus is the friend of sinners, but I'm lonely, Devin. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Proverbs tells us. And you were made for relationship, to thrive in relationship. And maybe this is the season where you're all alone and the only friend that you have is Jesus. Let him minister to your heart. Let him sustain you by grace in this season. You know, one of my earliest prayers that I can remember God answering, and at the time it seemed so pointless, but now I look back and I see it was actually really important in my formation. I was about seven years old. My mom and I would pray every day that God would provide a friend. And we lived in the country. So I had lots of friends at school, but during summer break, it wasn't like it was now. Parents didn't just drive their kids places. I was too young to bike. They were too far away. I had no friends. And so we prayed in this small little town and I saw God provide a friend that I didn't even know lived one street over. And as juvenile, as small as that, as simplistic as that sounds, I can remember, I can remember noticing the kindness and gentleness of God, that he would do that for me. Pray and wait on God to provide. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. In Luke 7, 34, Jesus is called friend of sinners. And this is good news for you and I. What we had no hope of doing, Jesus did in our place. So here's my charge to us, Bereans. Don't do it alone. You can survive with shallow relationships where people don't really know you and don't really love you. You can survive, but you will never thrive. And if you want to make it through this difficult, sometimes troubling life, you're gonna need brothers and sisters around you that you can rely on. My encouragement to you is this. Be cautious with your friends and invest in the friends that God has for you. Let me pray to that end. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your people to be with you and to hear from your word. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who makes friendship with God possible and a deep and lasting, even eternal friendship with one another possible. 
as brothers and sisters, we journey through this life. We will eventually journey through eternity with you all because Jesus, you are the friend of sinners. That through your death and resurrection, you have reconciled us back to the Father. We praise your glorious name for that fact. We love you, Jesus. We lift you high. And we say this all in your name. Amen. And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.